0: You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I am, as always, your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Himalaya, whatever you like. And if you don't like any of those services, you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. It'll take you right to the most recent one without you lifting a finger. And today is Crossover Wednesday. We have a, uh, an awesome interview with your boy Q. He is the host of Locked on Raiders, talking about everything about the Raiders so we can get to know our uh, AFC opponent for the week. But I actually have a little bit of time uh, carved out on the front end here to catch up on some things. I don't feel like I did a good enough job yesterday with the in-depth review of uh, the Packers. It was more of like philosophical rants, I guess. So I wanted to just take this moment to talk about a couple of things that popped off to me when I finally did get a chance to look at the tape. This will be really quick. I know I said I'd put the game to bed, but there was uh, a a couple things that I wanted to point out. Uh, And basically, well, the biggest one, this is what I want to talk about, is that Kirk Cousins was missing open receivers down the field. There were, uh, I, I did notch a couple of the miscommunications that Mike Zimmer di- uh, mentioned. I think there was a, a miscommunication with Riley Reef at one point. It looked like he was screen blocking. There is a difference between a, a, you know, a lineman who just gets beat, right, and a lineman who literally, you know, lets them go on purpose because they think it's a screen. I think there was that miscommunication. That same miscommunication happened uh, hilariously against the Packers last year with Mike Remmers. You might remember that infamous block. Um, it's it's a really bad one because when the lineman heard a different entire play, like, the word for screen and the word for whatever they called there, like those aren't similar play... They shouldn't even be in the same category of the playbook. So if those two words sound the same, you have an oversight in your linguistics uh, or, you know, somebody's just not listening in the, in the huddle. I- either way, that a, that's a, kind of points to a bigger issue that really needs to get worked out. I am sure that they uh, have gone back to the drawing board and figured that out, though, because uh, that's a pretty big one. And uh, there was also a miscommunication, at least, that I logged... Or, well, actually, I didn't. I posted the play, and somebody else actually pointed it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, was... Uh, the third and thirteen in the red zone, the overthrow to Rudolph after uh, the OPI canceling a touchdown debacle. Uh, you know that that high throw to Kyle Rudolph. It looked like uh, a, just a really bad overthrow, and I even was like, "Look, he didn't see. He didn't step into it, even though he had room to." That's really weird. Uh, and then somebody pointed out that after that play and the coach's tape cuts off so I didn't catch this but they must have caught it on the broadcast was uh, after that play he like is you know pointing back like he should have gone to the back of the end zone and watching the play again uh, the softer spot of the zone is where Kirk Cousins threw it to not necessarily where Kyle Rudolph went. Kyle Rudolph was more trying to Uh, you know, get toward the, like, go against the grain of where the defense was flowing, which makes for an easier completion. Uh, Either way, you know, if they were on the same page, I think that's a touchdown. That kind of miscommunication is really tough because in that situation, you know, both decisions where Rudolph went and where uh, Kirk threw to, both, I think, are defensible, but you have to be, like, choosing the same one. So that is something that that that, you know, just stood out to me. But there were also moments where Kirk Cousins just would miss deep. Uh, If you remember the really, really bad almost interception to Jerry Alexander, who was on Adam Thielen, Uh, this was after the really bad interception in the end zone from Kevin King. You know, he threw another corner route that was a dropped pick at no point in that route. Watching it, you know, start to finish on the All-22, did Adam Thielen look open or like he was ever going to be open? The way that Jerry Alexander attacked that route closes that route off. He had the leverage that that route loses to, and Kirk Cousins should be able to identify that by the top of his dropback. but he stares him down, or, well, he doesn't quite stare him down. I think he goes uh, to Kyle Rudolph first, who also is dealing with the same issue, he moves off of Kyle Rudolph, sees a covered and not getting away Adam Thielen because of the way the leverage is set up and throws it to him anyways. And this kind of highlights the same issue that I think uh, Kirk Cousins throws it to not open receivers way too often. Meanwhile, on the other side of the formation, Stefan Diggs is absolutely dusting Kevin King for what would have been an easy first down. I need Kirk Cousins to see those things. The The pocket was a little messy, but not like egregiously so. There were a couple times where there was like a messy pocket, but a workable pocket, and Kirk Cousins treated it like a broken pocket, and I think maybe that's just skittishness from being behind the offensive line in 2018. I don't think that that's justified, but maybe that's the reason. But in any case, I just wanted to point out a couple of the things that I had noticed. Uh, also, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes for you to you know wash your, your palettes a little bit. I have the end zone view of the really good Dalvin Cook touchdown. There's there's something to like pretty much anywhere you look on that play. Just about everybody on the whole offensive line looks awesome doing it. So, I'll let you, you know, chew on that and enjoy it and play it on loop while you listen to me talk to your boy Q from Locked On Raiders about next week's matchup. And now we can finally move on to the home matchup against the Oakland. I almost said the Las Vegas Ra- the the Oakland Raiders. They're not Vegas yet. All right, I'm here with your boy Q. How's it going, man? But real quick, before we get into that, I want to talk to you about Peloton. If you're having trouble finding a workout that keeps you engaged, something that maybe you don't get bored through, Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off of accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. I also want to talk to you guys a little bit about Blue Chew fellas. You gotta take your relationship seriously, and that means getting a little help where you need it. And hey, maybe that means you can reclaim your glory days. This is where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is the first chewable tablet of its kind. It has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know exactly what you're getting into, but why would you take a chewable? Well, it kicks in twice as fast, so that's less time waiting around when the moment's right for, like, a pill to kick in. And Blue Chew isn't just for, like, men of a certain age who maybe, you know, uh, aren't in their primes anymore. This is for anybody who's looking to self-improve, who's looking to be better for their partner. Intimacy uh, Intimacy is important in any relationship, and you should take it just as seriously as you take anything else. So go check out Blue Chew. go to bluechew.com you can try it for free with the promo code locked here's the thing they ship it directly to your door it's made in the usa so you can skip the pharmacy you can skip the awkwardness it's in this nice little discreet pla- package so there's no weirdness and that makes it a little cheaper too so head on over to bluechew.com that's b-l-u-e-c-h-e-w.com use the promo code locked on it's locked on i think i said LOCKED. promo code locked on promo code locked for peloton to get started for free go check it out you thank me later
0: masterclass or at least your time at home masterclass.com/per is offering 15% off if you missed any of those go to lockdownpodcast.com/offers that's lockdownpodcast.com/offers thank you very much for tuning into to lockdown podcast network we hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news and thanks very much be safe and practice your social distancing
2: it is good it is good it is good it's great to be talking about uh, another upcoming game third week of the season vikings and raiders
1: I am sure we are both uh, looking forward to moving past week two. So uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, I, I usually use this as kind of my primer. I don't have a lot of research done on the opposing team until I, I do Crossover Wednesday, because I figure you can point me in the right direction. So I guess the question I want to start with is uh, on, on defense specifically, which I think you know a lot of the coverage of the Vikings is on their offensive side of the ball. So on defense, who is the, the X-factor player that if you're game planning for the Raiders, you have to pay attention to.
2: Well, right now, I think it's got to be tight end Darren Waller. I really do. I think uh, he's been a guy that was a mystery. Uh, I know that he got a lot of love and hard knocks, but he was still a mystery. In 2018, he only had six catches. You know, he was on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad. The Raiders actually grabbed him off their practice squad after they played them in Baltimore. John Gruden saw something in him that he really liked, went and grabbed him. Uh, He got a little bit of burn towards the end of the season, but not really anything. So all offseason long, when the Raiders let Jared Cook walk in free agency, he's now with the Saints. Everyone kind of wondered, how are you going to replace Jared Cook? He was your leading receiver in 2018. How are you going to replace him? How are you going to replace him? And then all of a sudden, through two games, you got this guy at tight end that nobody really knew about. Darren Waller's got 13 catches. You know, he's showing that he's very athletic. He's very much a a wide receiver, but in a tight end's body, he's very quick. Uh, You know, it's very, to me, in my opinion, and I don't think he was a basketball player, but I feel like he's very similar to what Jimmy Graham was when Jimmy Graham was still a really good athlete. You know, I mean, I think Jimmy Graham's really at the end of his, his rope these days. And the last few stops he's been at hasn't been that impressive. But I think Darren Waller could kind of be very similar to that Jimmy Graham guy, and he's been a matchup nightmare. Uh, John Gruden's been able to kind of scheme him up and put him in good positions and get him a, a lined up against linebackers, and that's just a kill, or a shorter defensive backs. And so that's usually, uh, it's usually advantage Waller, and so I'm, I'm excited to see how he continues to use him and how much he moves forward, because the Raiders don't really have a number one wide receiver. AB's not there. Everyone knows about the the shenanigans that he went through and went, went, had a, going on with him. Now he's in New England. So Tyrell Williams is there as a wide receiver. But in my opinion, he's a really good number two wide receiver. The Raiders really don't have a number one. They don't have that ace in the hole guy. But Darren Waller is what you just described as an X factor. That's who I would say is, is the Raiders X factor right now.
1: That's really interesting because like the Vikings for years and years and years had problems guarding tight ends. Uh, and, and I think they they would just always get caught in base package and it would, they would kind of struggle to like move on to the the nickel fad that is sweeping the nation. Um, but now they have this J. Ron curse who is kind of having a renaissance to start this year, who is, you know, kind of like tailor made. That'll be a really interesting matchup curse versus Darren Waller. Probably not the matchup you would have predicted if you looked at this, this, uh, game, you know, a, a month or two ago, but that'll be really interesting. What about on defense? If you are planning to attack the Raiders defense, um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll pose it the opposite way. Who would you attack if you were an offensive coordinator trying to move the ball on the Raiders?
2: Well, you know, after what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were able to do to that Raiders secondary, I would just say that I I would go after the, the corners. You know, I'd really go after them because they seemed like they were out of place quite a bit on Sunday. And again, the Chiefs are a different animal. So maybe it's just it was a product of them and their speed because, well, they do a heck of a job offensively. But, yeah, I think that the corners are, are going to be a question mark. The biggest problem, honestly, for the Raiders defensively is if they could generate enough pass rush. If they could generate a pass rush to, to make a guy like Kirk Cousins a little uncomfortable, make him throw the ball maybe a little quicker than he wants to, then, you know, the secondary could kind of step up and, and hold its own. But if they give him – allow him some time – then that secondary has to try to hold their spot a little bit longer. And I just don't know if they're cut out for that. Jonathan Abram, uh, I know he was only a rookie and he only played in one game, but he kind of had that swagger and that attitude in the back end for the Raiders' defense at the safety position, and they don't have that anymore. He was a hard hitter. He'd come up to the line of scrimmage and get you. He blitzed. I mean, he, he was all over the field. He was a guy that loved contact. He's probably a guy that Mike Zimmer would love to have in his defense as well. I mean, he's just that kind of dude. And uh, now he's out for the season. So you got Curtis Riley back there as a free, uh, as a, as a strong safety. And, and he's back there with, uh, with Carl Joseph. And, and, you know, so the safeties are a little suspect in my opinion, but really the secondary, it needs all the help it can get. There's reasons why, uh, the the Raider fans that are out there on Twitter right now are begging for the Raiders to go out and make a move for Jalen Ramsey. I've suggested it as well. Go on oh, and do yeah, it.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense.
2: Yeah, man, they just need a guy like that. They need a dog, and they don't have that dog right now. I've even thought about giving up a a, a guy like Garyon Conley just because I'm not 100% sold on him either. He just he kind of looks like he's not comfortable in the defense for the Raiders. He doesn't like to mix it up. He doesn't like to come up and tackle. He really just kind of wants to cover corner, and he's not really that guy. He's not that that blanket quarterback, cornerback. so – um, yeah, man, I mean, I just think that the secondary is, is pretty questionable. And again, the pass rush, it's got to be able to get home. If, if Kirk Cousins has all day to sit back there and throw the ball, then he's going to pick you apart.
1: Yeah. Uh, pass pro has been kind of an issue for the Vikings. I mean, since, I don't know, 2014. <laughs> okay. uh, but right now the interior blocking, the interior pass protection has been a huge issue. Pat Elfline had an abysmal game, uh, an abysmal preseason. He just seems like a huge issue. Uh, Garrett Bradbury is off to an actually like historically bad start, uh, for, for a rookie center. And, you know, I mean, they've gone up against Grady Jarrett and Kenny Clark, both of whom ended up being the highest PFF graded guys that week at that position, which is kind of a a strong indictment of the, you know, the guys butts that they were whooping. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, like how the interior of, of the Raiders defensive line can hold up. I think it's kind of a referendum on both. It's one of those, like, if you can't beat
2: these guys, who can you beat? Um, you know, but the funny, the funny thing about that is that the Raiders, uh, interior, their defensive line on the inside of uh, the D tackles, they're actually really good. I think that's the strength of the team. I think the Jonathan Hankins, PJ hall, Maurice Hurst is there. I mean, I think those kind of guys, they're, they're thriving right now on the interior. It's the edge rushers that aren't really succeeding and getting home all the time. Benson Mayowa he leads the team right now with three and a half sacks, but he's really, really had to work for those sacks. Cleve Farrell, the rookie, he's got one sack. And then that's it. You know, Max Crosby has no sacks. Arden Key has no sacks, but they do generate some pressure from the interior part of that defensive line. So if that's a struggle for the Vikings, this might be a game where a Jonathan Hankins, a Mo Hurst, a a, a PJ Hall may be able to get loose. So that's an interesting little nugget right there. Yeah,
1: that definitely might turn out like better than you'd expect. Um, So one more question about the the defense and then I kind of want to move over to the other side of the ball. Uh, but what schematically does the Raiders' defense look like? Because the way that the Vikings are going to like try to attack, it sounds like if there's issues in the secondary and specifically with the corners, they'll probably try to set up one-on-one looks with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs because those guys are you know route artists, and there's clips all over already even this season of Stephon Diggs like you know making uh, guys like Jared Alexander or uh, Desmond Trufant like trip over their shoelaces. Uh, and, and so if you can get one-on-one matchups with a weaker secondary, those guys might be able to feast. Uh, but I, I wonder, is that something that the Raiders scheme allows? Or do they play more of a, a zone-heavy cover-four kind of quarters or even a cover-three type defense? And then uh, do they also do they have a... a number one corner who will like shadow the best receiver on the other team because that always becomes an interesting question of who do you shadow and uh teams have had different answers to this over the years mostly teams have shadowed digs but sometimes they go shadow Thielen uh so i was wondering like what do you think strategically the raiders are going to do to approach uh the, you know weapons like that
2: you know, that's a really good question. Early in the game against Kansas City, the Raiders were, were pressing them. They were pra- playing press man. And I felt like they were having some pretty good success. And then they decided to fall back a little bit and play a zone. And that's when they really started getting burned. The communication just wasn't there. The Raiders are not very good so far early on in the secondary of communicating with each other. And so they got lost a lot of times and there was guys running wide open and you can't do that. You just can't do that in the NFL. You sure can't do it against the chiefs and you can't do that against some guys like Diggs and Thielen. They're too good for that as well. Like you mentioned, they run really good routes and if you don't, if you don't play them the way you're supposed to play them, then they're going to burn you as well. So I think the best approach is when they go man to man and they press you. I, I mean, I really think that that's the best approach. LaMarcus Joyner, he'll come up and play the slot. He'll come play the tight end. Uh, even though he's a safety, but he really likes to play that slot position and it kind of allows the the safeties on the back end to to kind of roam free and try to communicate with the with the corners. As far as having a number one corner, it's supposed to be Gary on Conley. I don't believe that it is. I really don't. I'm not sure. Like I mentioned, I'm not sure where his head's at. I don't know if he's lost his confidence or what's going on. Daryl Worley to me is just he's another guy. He's OK. He's not great. Who I like a lot is the, the rookie Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson. He was the second round draft pick for the, the Raiders. I really like him a lot, but he's still young. He's really, really young, so you're kind of throwing him in the fire. But at the same time, I'm okay with that. He's a guy that against Denver week one, he, he got beat. And then he came back the very next play and he dove and tried to try to come up with an interception and he didn't get it. But it's just like you could tell he has no memory. He has no conscience. Like, OK, yeah, I just got beat, but I'm about to come back and make another big play. And then he did. You know, what I mean, it's just it's so I I think that that's the sign of a, a, a really good cornerback, one that's not going to think about the last play. Just, oh, I'm going to get him on the next play. So Jalen Ramsey swagger. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Uh, so exactly. moving on to the other side of the ball, I I guess I really want to know what the book is on Derek Carr because I personally maybe it's just because the Raiders are the in, in the AFC. I'm not a hundred percent familiar with with Derek Carr. I know you know a lot of the statistical arguments that are made for or against him and how he kind of you know where he slots like amongst other quarterbacks in the league, but more stylistically, you know, what, like if you were going to come up with a, with a draft scouting report on Derek Carr, if, if there was going to be like a redraft or something, how would you write it, you know, in terms of his like specific strengths and weaknesses?
2: Well, he's a guy that he wants to have a clean pocket. I mean, he really does. He doesn't want to get that pressure up in his face. He gets a little skittish at times this year to his credit. He's been keeping plays alive with his feet, something he did not do at all in 2017 or 2018, 2016. He did really well. But then he broke his uh, ankle at the end of the at the end of the season, right before the playoffs. And he hadn't been the same guy since. But so far this season, he's been able to keep some plays alive with his feet, even run for some first downs, even got airborne last week. So I think that he's kind of coming around. Uh, about just you know trying to keep plays alive, he wants to throw the ball down the field, but if he doesn't have the time, he will check it down. And, and that's something that John Gruden's going to tell him to do you know, just get something, get something out of it, and, and live to see another down. So he's a he, he's more comfortable, I think, in John Gruden's offense. Uh, I think he's very accurate, I think he has a very strong arm. Uh, I, I like him. But, you know, you know how it is, man. If the quarterback is not winning, if you're not winning games, if you're not going to the playoffs, the fan base really wants to turn on you. So as far as Derek Carr goes, the the fan base is kind of split he's either a really good quarterback or he's nothing or he's terrible, you know? And so I'm kind of never middle ground. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in the middle where I think that he could be really good. He has some weapons around him, probably better than most of the weapons he's had in a long time. So I think this is an opportunity for him to be really good, but he's just got to go out there and prove it. And again, the second year in John Gruden's offense, I feel like he understands it. He's doing more checks at the line of scrimmage. So that's, That's at least allowing me to know that John Gruden trusts him, and you know he's going to go out there and do what he does. And so he's a a good quarterback. I'm not going to say he's great, and I'm not going to say he's bad, but I think he's good.
1: Hey guys, back to Q in a second, but first I want to talk to you a little bit about my bookie. Let's be honest, there's going to be a whole bunch of NFL games this year that are total stinkers, but imagine if you had a stake in them like you had in any Vikings game. After all, you want a reason to watch while the Vikings aren't on, right? Go check out mybookie.ag. They're the number one online sports book. And with good reason, I really have enjoyed my experience with mybookie. I really like their website. I really like how easy it is to navigate and go find the bet that you want to make. Or just browse through, see what catches your eye. Hey, maybe you're the kind of person that likes to, you know, bet a little, win a lot, right? That sounds good. Go check out their parlays. That's where you can bet on a bunch of games and a bunch of outcomes. And if you get them all, then, you know, Yahtzee, you can b- multiply your winnings exponentially. Now, here's where this gets really cool. If you go to mybookie.ag right now, you go sign up and you use promo code Locked On when you're, prom- when you're prompted to, mybookie will double your first deposit. That is free money. You wouldn't pass up 100 bucks on the ground if you, if you just like walked past it, right? This is the same thing. It's free gambling money. So go get a stake in a game that you otherwise wouldn't care about. And hey, if you're good at predicting football, why don't you make a buck on it? Do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag today and use promo code Locked On. So you mentioned to me uh, in the, the the segment for your show that, you know, you felt really good about Josh Jacobs, especially considering what Aaron Jones was able to accomplish in week two against the Vikings. Um, and, and I just want you to tell me a little bit about that run game, both like Josh Jacobs' skill set, but also like the run scheme. Is it, a, is it a zone scheme? Is there a lot of like, uh, you know, bootlegs going across the formation? And I, I know that both uh, Gruden and Gary Kubiak come from the same, you know, Mike Shanahan coaching tree. So I'm I'm wondering if there's any similarities there or if things are kind of marching to the beat of their own drum at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, they definitely run the zone blocking scheme with the Raiders, uh, something that I I just don't really like because I feel like the guys that they have, the players that they have fit better in the power blocking scheme. but. Because of CBA and the the lack of practice time, you really can't do that too much. So they got Tom, Tom Cable running the zone blocking scheme. And that's okay, because Josh Jacobs is really good at that. And that's what I like about him as a runner. Uh, he's, he's tough enough to run through the, the tackles. He wasn't a starter at Alabama, so he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires, which is unusual for a running back coming out of Alabama. But he's really good. He's a three-down back. He's a guy who can stay on the field all the time. He can block. He can catch the ball in the backfield even though as of yet and maybe this is the week that john gruden unleashes this as of yet he's only caught one pass he's only been thrown the ball one time and he went for 28 yards and I'm not too sure why john gruden hasn't gone back to him more but by way of the air because he can run he, he can run really good routes actually you can split him out wide and he can run some routes I, I just i don't understand why he hasn't used that matchup yet and maybe again this is the week that he breaks that out but Josh Jacobs is a heck of a dude, man. He's a heck of a player. I picked him to be Offensive Rookie of the Year for 2019 just because I know what he's capable of doing. And, uh, you know, so far, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, and I know they're not the end-all, be-all, but uh, he's the uh, highest-rated first-round pick so far. I mean, it's only through two games, but he's the highest-rated, you know, first-round pick so far out of the draft. So uh, pretty excited about the future with Josh Jacobs. He's a tough kid. Uh, he's, he's going to get as many yards as he can, instead of going out of bounds on, on one run that he had last week against Kansas city, he cut back up and lowered his shoulder and got about five or six more yards. And he said, Hey, I don't want to be known as a soft running back. I'm tough. I can take that. And that's what he's doing. So, uh, if he's out there doing his thing, he only got 12 carries last week, but, uh, the Raiders were really far behind the, the chiefs at some point. So kind of got away from him in the run game. But if he's out there and he's, uh, he's getting the ball in his hands, he could be very, very productive.
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting. You mentioned about the passing thing. Uh, the Vikings have historically, with uh, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks at least, been really, really good at covering those swing passes out to the flatter screens and stuff. Those two guys, they just have the rangy athleticism where you can't really get the edge on a swing pass. So I wonder if this is the week to do it. And if they do, you know, what kind of uh, passing patterns they use for him. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the pass-catching personnel because right now the Vikings are in a, a very thin moment in their secondary. The, the safeties are fine, but they are missing two important cornerbacks, Mackenzie Alexander and Mike Hughes, both of them will kind of be a thing that, you know, we'll have to monitor throughout the week and the injury reports and stuff. Um, but assuming that they don't go, not a given, but let's just say for now, you are basically stuck with J. Ron Curse, who uh, we've talked about. He's kind of a tight end killer. But if, you know, you put him up against like a shifty slot corner, you might have a little bit of, of a mismatch there or like a, a burner out of the slot. If you have like, I don't know, Tyrell Williams come out of the slot, gets up against J. Ron Curse. Curse isn't the fastest guy in the world. He plays safety. So right. I but I want to know what else is going on there in terms of the pass catchers. You know, what what are these guys' strengths and weaknesses and what kind of cornerbacks do you like to match him up against?
2: Well, I'll tell you right now, coming out of the slot, most of the time is going to be Hunter Renfro, the rookie out of Clemson. And he's not oh, of course. You know he's not a burner, but he can catch. He's got really good hands. Uh, I like what he brings to the table. He's not the strongest dude. He's still got some work to do in the weight room, but he's a he's a heck of a guy. You know he's a heck of a, a receiver. Uh, he's he's a he's a winner. He knows how to win games, and so he kind of expects to win. I like what he brings to the table, but again, he's not a burner. He's not gonna you know uh, take the top off the defense, but he's gonna go where he needs to go. He's gonna get the yards he needs to get, and he's gonna catch the ball. And Derek Carr, uh, I think he threw him the ball eight times on Sunday, so he's. He's obviously comfortable throwing him the rock. That's one guy to kind of watch out for. But besides that, I mean, Tyrell Williams, he's a big wide receiver. He can get down the field pretty quickly. Um, Again, I said it earlier, I I don't think that the Raiders, I feel like the Raiders don't really have a number one guy. So that's why you kind of got to scheme things up. Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, and Hunter Renfro out of the slot. You know, uh, the, the Raiders bring in Ryan Grant every once in a while, but I feel like he's kind of old and washed. And you saw Ryan Grant when he was with the Packers. I mean, he's just... I just feel like he's kind of not that dude anymore. And he's then, just uh, a guy, yeah. Yeah, and then J.J. Nelson—he hasn't played at all, and he's fast, but he doesn't have very good hands, so I don't count on either one of those guys. But now if J.J. Nelson were to go, he does have the speed to stretch the field, and so that may be something to pay attention to because he can—he can at least, like I said, run a, a deep post or deep route. But I don't know if he's going to catch the ball just because he's kind of inconsistent. I, I'm not a big fan of his at all. But uh, really, the guys that you got to watch out for is you know the Hunter Renfro, the Ty- Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller uh, from the tight end position, and then Josh Jacobs out of the backfield. Uh, You know, the Raiders could bring in Jalen Richard, another running back that catches a lot of passes, but uh, he hasn't really done too much as of late either. So I think it's really those three guys that you got to watch out for.
1: Cool. So last last thing I want to ask you is about the trenches here on the offensive side of the ball, because the Vikings have a couple of elite pressure generators right now. The duo of Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter leads the league against anybody else's duo in terms of generating pressure. Everson Griffin got 11 pressures, mostly against David Bakhtiari last week. Uh, and Bakhtari was nursing a back injury, but like still. So I, I want to know, like on that offensive line, how are the tackles? I'm really curious about Colton Miller, actually, just because I had some opinions about the, the, uh, him in the draft. Uh, but it seems like he's he is maybe pulled it together a little bit. And then elsewhere on the offensive line, you know, where where if I'm Mike Zimmer, where am I trying to attack? Who am I trying to exploit?
2: Well, Colton Miller, I feel like he's better than he was in 2018. I wasn't a big fan of the draft pick at all. I I just wasn't. But uh, it was a need. It was a need that the Raiders had. And uh, he played pretty well in 2018 until he got injured. And then he wasn't he wasn't worth anything. I mean, he was just awful. You could tell he was injured, but he was out there trying to make it happen. Over the summer, he got bigger, got stronger, understands the game a little bit more. So he's playing better. I like him at the left tackle position. Trent Brown was the big, big money free agent that the Raiders brought in from the Patriots. He went from the left side to the right side, so you have two really good bookends, in my opinion. Trent Brown is nursing a, a knee injury. John Gruden said he doesn't think it's very serious, but at the same time, it's still a knee injury, so you get something to kind of monitor so, and pay attention to that. Uh, so we'll see, you know, how, what the final word is on that. I guess later on in the in the week, but uh, he, he's a he's a heck of a right tackle. He's done a good job out there. If not, if if for some reason Trent Brown's not able to go and like a guy. Brandon Parker is out there, then that's going to be a kill. Brandon Parker is terrible. He's absolutely awful. Sometimes he'll come in in the the heavy package, and that's fine. But I'll tell you, he's not good if he has to hold down that right tackle position. So hopefully Trent Brown is going to be fine. I think he will. But at the same time, man, that that fear of having Brandon Parker out there is really, really worrisome. Richie Incognito is back now. He's manning the the, the left guard position. He had a two-game suspension, and his backup actually did pretty well. Uh, for what it was I mean he, he he's not going to be Richie Incognito but he, he was able to kind of hold down that spot so Richie's back I think that's going to help lift up that uh, offensive line I think that's going to help the run game and obviously pass protection as well Rodney Hudson the center he's a all pro, all stud, all world. Uh, he just got a contract extension, very much deserved. He's a heck of a player. And then you got a, uh, you know, you got another guy filling in. You got Denzel Good f- filling in right now for Gabe Jackson, who's the the Pro Bowl right guard for the Raiders because uh, he's nursing a sprained MCL. But Good has actually done a pretty good job as well. So uh, if you're gonna, if you're Mike Zimmer and you're gonna attack the offensive line, it'll probably be at the guard position or maybe the right tackle position if Trent Brown is out there. But so far, the Raiders' offensive line has been pretty, pretty decent. And getting, uh, getting Richie Incognito back and getting him in the fold and bringing his nasty to the offensive line, I think is going to help in a major way.
1: It's been a good unit for a long time. All right, so before I let you go, uh, most important question, do the Raiders cover?
2: Um, that's a good question. I think
1: at minus seven right now, maybe minus eight.
2: Uh, or Vikings minus eight. Yeah, I'm gonna say that the Raiders gonna cover. <laughs> I'm gonna just say they're gonna cover. I'm not I, I, I really don't have any idea. I just uh, I don't know. I think it's gonna be a close game, so I'm just gonna that's how I'm gonna roll with Yeah, I think they're gonna cover. <laughs> I love it. Thanks a bunch, Q. No doubt, no doubt. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you guys so much to listening to this episode of Crossover Wednesday on Locked on Vikings. I am your host, Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And of course, you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow with a more in-depth preview of the Raiders, thanks to uh, the direction of your boy Q. And as always,
0: Skull. Hey, Locked on Minnesota listeners!